0: Hey, I want to bring a message to you this morning. I believe God has something amazing that he wants to tell us today. And I believe that this message is for every single person here today. It's for every one of us. And I believe this message is given to us today to prepare us for the year ahead. How many of you know God's a preparing God? God, if you'll spend time with God, he'll give you what you need before you walk into what you might need that thing for. Does that make sense? Like he prepares us. God doesn't want us to be blindsided. If we're blindsided, it's simply because we weren't listening. So, yeah, buddy, I'm going to make a brother work today. It's all right. So I want to give you the best thing I think I can give you today in this message on Prayer. And before you shut me out and say, oh, just another message on prayer, this might be a little bit different. I believe this is a fresh, fresh message on prayer from God this morning. So I want to talk to you about prayer. Prayer is the secret sauce of every believer everywhere. Every believer has the opportunity, the authority, the right, and the ability to pray. I don't know if you realize this, but when you gave your life to Jesus and you confess that he's the Lord of your life and that that God raised him from the dead, you came into a newfound relationship with God by which he says, I want to talk to you. So like you might be excited that you came into a relationship with God, but he's more excited because now he gets to talk to you. Three of y'all excited about that. Leonard Ravenhill made a statement. He said, no man is greater than his prayer life. Let's ponder that for a minute. No man is greater than his prayer life. So that means this, that if your prayer life is weak, that means that the best you can do is your capacity. The best you can do is your own natural ability. You'll never get into the supernatural because you're not praying. Because you see, when you pray, God takes you from, he takes you away from your natural abilities and your limitations and your capacities and he moves you into something that is called supernatural. It's greater than your natural ability. No man is greater than his prayer life. In fact, I'll tell you today that Only the people that are doing something for the kingdom of God are truly praying today. Only those that are truly praying today are the ones that are actually doing something for the kingdom of God. They're the ones who are forcefully advancing the kingdom of God. Those who are praying. I'm not talking about religious acts. I'm talking about advancement. I'm talking about pushing the kingdom forward. God entrusts that task to people who will stay connected to him. Make sense? Pull your phone out for a second. You already got it in your hand. Do you ever let go of your phone? <laughs> okay, this phone is, is really cool. Now, if you have a flip phone, you're not going to relate to what I'm about to tell you. But this phone right here can, in, a, in an instant, put me on the other side of the globe in a meeting with people that I can't even understand their language by Zoom. <laughs> Thank God for Zoom. This phone has, has the power to put the world in my palm, more or less, right? But this phone has a limitation. It's, it requires something. It requires to be recharged. So if it's not charged, it eventually runs out of juice and then it what? It dies. And then it's what? Rendered useless. You ever get stuck, especially these days when you don't have a phone charger and your phone is dead? Do you like panic? I mean, a while back, I, I found myself, my phone's dead, no charger in my truck. I need to make a phone call, can't make it. <laughs> I mean, for the first time in my life, I was like, what do I do? Uh, you could walk to a neighbor and grab their phone and call someone. Oh, yeah. How often do you charge your phone? Minimally, you charge it at least daily. Because a couple of months after it's brand new, like when it's brand new, it'll go a day and a half. Come on, somebody. Like, like oh, yeah, but I just think i got the best battery ever. Yeah, give it a couple months. The battery's going to slowly weaken. And then it, a couple of years, they're going to get you to buy a new phone. It's a hustle but at minimal, you charge this phone every day because if you don't charge it, it's rendered useless, right? How often do you pray? Because praying is charging your spirit. Praying is charging your soul and eventually you're gonna run out and eventually you might be rendered useless. Remember, only the people that are praying are forcefully advancing the kingdom of God today. Not religious acts. Does it make sense? So how often are you praying? Do you know there's no limit on prayer? (laughs) There's no limit. There's no limit to how often you can pray. Do you know you can literally never hang the phone up with God? Well, some of you were dating and you slept with the phone next to your ear. Don't raise your hand because that's just weird. I knew a guy that did that. Like he would go to sleep and his girlfriend would be on the other line and they would sleep with the phone on. Like, I make noises at night. We're going to leave that one alone. So, let me ask you a question. I want you to be brutally honest with yourself today. Do you pray more when you need something? Is your greatest moments of prayer when you're in a crisis? Do you pray the most when you realize you're lacking something? Or maybe you've disciplined yourself to pray and you pray daily. Which one are you? Or are you somewhere in between? Because, you see, this is what I want for us. I want us to be a people that when we pray, things happen. I don't want our prayer to be a good gesture. Like, oh, I'll pray for you, brother. Okay, that feels good. But, like, I'll know if you really pray for me. So when people tell me they're praying for me, like, oh, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Okay, I'm watching. (laughs) Let's see if it's going to work. I had COVID. They're like, I'm praying for you. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's see if COVID goes away now. I want us to be people that understand the great power that comes only through prayer. Listen to what James said. He said, the earnest prayer of a righteous person, (laughs) watch this, what does it have? Great power. What does it produce? Wonderful results. Who can do this? Who can do this? A righteous person. Notice he didn't say a perfect person. Because then nobody could ever pray. Come on. He said a righteous person, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Who wants to pray with some great power? Who wants to see some wonderful results? Anybody? Anybody want to see some results when you pray? Three of you. If you are a believer... You are a righteous person. That's what the Bible says. If you've given your life to Jesus, the Bible says you've been made right with God. So if that's you, you made that decision, this verse applies to you today. That when you earnestly pray, stuff's gonna happen. God's gonna move. You're gonna have a story to tell. You know, we should be the the people with the greatest stories to tell. We should always have a fresh story and we should always be bragging on what God is doing. We should always be saying, you know what, man? I prayed about this thing the other day. I had an issue. I prayed about it. And you know what? God delivered me. This is how he did it. And we should be high-fiving, chest bumping, giving knuckles. Why? Because God is moving when we pray. He's moving when we pray. That's what I want for us. I want to be known as that church in town that when they pray, bro, God moves. Amen? I want us to understand what great power is. Power doesn't come in volume. Anybody know somebody prays loud? Like you won't ask them to pray for you because everybody's going to know what they're praying for? You know what I'm saying? I got a friend in, in England and when he prays in tongues, like uh, the, you can see devils just running. It's loud. I mean, it'll scare the Jesus out of you. It's just like, and like I don't ask him to pray for me. Power doesn't come in volume or red face. Power comes with who's got your back. Power comes when someone's supporting you greater than you. Power comes when you're talking to the one who can change things. That's where power is found. It's not in volume. It's not in show. It's not in how loud or glorious you can be when you pray. It's in who you're connected to. Amen? Amen? So look at 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. I want to show you a verse that is, is part conditional, but also it has a promise attached to it. So in other words, this is a verse that God says, if you'll do your part, I'll do mine. So it's conditional with a promise attached to it. Watch this, 7.14. He says it this way. Then if... You ought to underline the word if, I capitalize the word if, then if. In other words, if you do, this is going to happen. If you don't, this is not going to happen. So he says, if my people who are called by my name gives us four things, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will, here's the promise, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land it's conditional. In other words, he's fully capable, poised, and ready to hold up his end of the deal. He's waiting on us to be humble, to pray, to seek, and to turn. So let's, let's talk about that for a minute. Because you got to get this, it's not too deep to understand. This is really simple. So, so don't, don't, don't make it something that it's not. Simply humble yourself. How do you humble yourself? You humble yourself when you sit down to pray. You know why? Because a prideful man doesn't need to pray. But a humble man realizes that all my dependence is on God, and I'm going to sit my tail down and make room for God and make time for God. So you humble yourself when you decide to spend time with God, and you push everything else away. It's when prayer becomes the most important thing in your life. Humble yourself. Then he says to pray. You know what prayer is? Prayer is communicating with God. I was going to say prayer is talking to God, but we're really good at talking to God. We're not really good at listening to God, are we? I mean, all of us can talk. We treat God like he's McDonald's. We roll up in the parking lot. Yeah, I need a number two, large with cheese, hold the onions and a Dr. Pepper light ice. And then what? Within four minutes, you got hmm, a hamburger, fries, and a drink, exactly how you wanted. it. That's how we treat God. We talk, but we don't listen. So I use the word communicate because communication requires there to be a back and a forth. It requires talking, and it requires listening. You with me? So prayer is communicating with God. It's talking to him, but staying long enough to hear him. Make sense? So humble yourself, pray, then he says, to seek my face. I don't think we know what it means to seek. I think we're good at looking, but we're not good at seeking. Looking is, is, is how you deal with your kids. When you ask your kids, hey, go get me so-and-so out of the refrigerator. Or, go, get, go get me something out of the refrigerator. And, and, and within two minutes, I, I, I can't find it. It drives me and my wife crazy at my house. My kids don't look. They don't seek. They open the door and they go, I don't see it. And my wife's famous words is, did you move something out the way to see if it was behind something else? No. Okay, go back in there and find, (laughs) that's looking. How many of us sit down to spend time with God and we give him five minutes and if he don't show up or we don't feel something, well, he's not here. We're looking. He didn't say to look. He said to seek. To seek is when you lose your keys and you got 10 minutes to get the kids dropped off at school and get your tail to work. You start seeking. What happens? You become relentless right? You'll rip the house apart. You'll flip all kind of stuff upside down. You'll start fussing at people, right? Get over there and look at me. You'll cover that room. I got this room. You'll go in the back. Find my keys. And what do you do? You don't quit until you what? Find them. And then when you find them, you go, oh. that's what it means to seek. If you're going to seek God, you're going to have to relentlessly stay in a position till he shows up. You're going to pray and you're going to invite him in and you're not going to walk away too early. How many of you get in a hurry? One, two, honest people, three. So the rest of y'all have no issue staying an hour in prayer? Y'all never get in a hurry when it's time to pray? Okay, so let's try this one more time. How many of you get in a hurry when you pray? Okay, (laughs) we broke through. We got some honesty going. All right, step one, get honest. He says to seek, turn stuff upside down, push stuff away. Here's a good question for you. Do you make room for God daily? Do you have an allotted time that this is my God time and nobody gets into my God time? Or are you just kind of getting through life somehow? And when a crisis comes, you start crying out. So he says to humble yourself, he says to pray, he says to seek my face. (laughs) Here's your favorite one, turn from your wicked ways. Now if the Bible says we need to turn from our wicked ways, then that must mean that every one of us has some wicked ways. So welcome to our Savior's church, you have wicked ways. Does that make it feel better if I smile? We all have wicked ways that that we're required to turn away from. Let me show you what this looks like. When crisis comes, when pain comes, when frustrations come, when disappointments come, we have a tendency to turn to something to deal with it. Some people, it's nicotine. Some people, it's alcohol. Some people, it's pornography. Some people, it's, it's food. Some people, it's all kinds of things. We'll turn in a situation that requires us to turn to God. We'll turn to something else. God says, don't turn to that. Turn to me. He invites us every single time. Turn to me. Don't turn to that. Turn to me. If you turn to that, newsflash, he's not mad at you. He's still waiting for you to turn to him. Because if he wasn't, he wouldn't say to turn from your wicked ways. Because there would be nothing to turn to. Maybe. Maybe. Amen? Amen. Turn. If you're here, wiki ways. You know what he's really saying? Turn from anything that separates us. What separates us from God? Sin separates us from God. Don't be afraid to address sin in your life. Don't be afraid to admit that you have sin in your life. We all have sin in our life. Amen. Sin will separate us from God. You know what else will separate us from God? Pride will separate us from God. The Bible says God resists the proud. He gives you a stiff arm. Turn away from your pride back to God. You know what pride is? Pride is when you go, I'm a, I got this. I got this. Just hold up. I got this. I'll call you if I need you. Really? Really? Pride will separate you from God. You know what else will separate you from God? Unforgiveness will separate you from God. You know, God's desire is to forgive you, but when you don't forgive others, he doesn't forgive you. So so here's the question of the day. How long do you want to be separated from God? How long do you want to deal with that eternal, internal battle, that struggle, that depression that comes on you when you're separated from God? How long do you want to be separated? Because the Bible doesn't put a time frame on it. It simply means this. I can take a step, but I can turn in the next step. Are you hearing me? I don't have to keep stepping that way. I may find myself on this first Sunday of 2021 in a place where I've turned to something that separated me from God, but I can leave here today turned back towards God. I don't have to stay long. Hmm. Might need to camp out there for a second. You don't have to stay any longer than you want to. But you know what the enemy says? Oh, you messed up. You got to stay this long. You got to stay until somebody else does something. You got to stay until this or that happens. Bull. You can finish that however you want to. Bull. You don't have to stay any longer than you want to. You know what's so cool about God? Is he's always poised and ready. Ready. restore. He's always ready. He's not like some religion we know where you got to do penance and you got to suffer and you got to walk through a season of pain so that you can earn your way back to heaven, earn your way back to God. Turn, 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 turn. Then here comes the really good part. <laughs> he says, when you've done that, when you've humbled yourself, when you've prayed, when you've seeked my face, when you've turned from your wicked ways, here's the promise. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. I don't know about you, but that's a good deal. Like when I see a good deal, I'm like, that's a good deal. You mean, all I have to do is humble myself, pray, seek his face, and turn from my wicked ways. If I did that without a promise, that would still be good, right? But then he throws a promise on top of that, that he's gonna hear from heaven, he's gonna forgive your sins, and then he's gonna restore your land, my God, we serve a loving God, right? A God that goes above and beyond. He didn't have to put the promise on that verse. He could have stood there and said, you need, to, "You need to humble yourself, you need to pray, you need to seek my face, and you need to turn from your wicked ways. Or you can burn." He could say that, but that's not his character. That's not his nature. What is his nature? I love you so much that when you do that, I'm going to pull the extra on top. I'm going I'm to hear from heaven. Think about that. That means he's going to petition for you. <laughs> That's when he says, he says, uh, Cole, Cole's got an issue. It's just because you're sitting right there and you have issues. Yeah. <laughs> Cole, Cole has an issue. He needs a solution to this problem. God, he needs help. He's going to hear from heaven for you then he's going to forgive your sins and then he's going to restore your land. I I think that might be worth it. I mean, who doesn't want that? Why would we not do the four things that he's told us to do and then step back and watch him do his part? Does that make sense? Who doesn't want that? Two thoughts and then I'm going to get into a couple of points. First thought is this, prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. Prayer is not a one-way conversation, it's not a one-way speech, it's not, a, it's not even a speech. Prayer is a dialogue. God wants to dialogue with you. Look at me, God wants to talk to you and he wants to hear from you. So watch this, there's a lot of different religious backgrounds here today, and I want to address a lie. The question is not, does God speak? That's not the question. God's been speaking since the first page, and he hadn't stopped ever since. God speaks today, just as much, if not even more, than he spoke before. So the question isn't, does God speak? The question is, will you sit long enough to listen? Will you sit long enough to hear? Will you give him time to speak? I'm, I'm gonna step out on a limb this morning and you may, you may need to chew on this one for a little bit but I'm, I'm gonna step out on a limb and tell you this that if you're not hearing from God when you pray your prayer is incomplete. <laughs> you know what I just did? I just put a whole lot of pressure on you. You know why I put that pressure on you? Because God speaks. God speaks every time I stay long enough to hear. How does he speak, Pastor? Well, sometimes, most often, he speaks through this book, his word, his spoken word, his written word. He speaks through this book. Sometimes he puts an impression in my heart. Sometimes he speaks through other people. And he likes to use people that frustrate you. Does he not? He likes to use people you don't think very much of. So if you're not hearing from God when you sit to pray, your prayer, I believe, is incomplete. It's been rushed. Come on, let's get real this morning. It's been rushed. I'm guilty if God don't show up within a certain time frame. I'm going well. Okay, God, love you. See you later. You want to hear a crazy story? I don't know if I've shared this before or not. I'll try to make it quick. I was at my cattle lease one day. It was starting to get afternoon. And I'm walking to the north end. It's a very long track of land. I'm walking to the north end to to check the cows. And it was a cool afternoon. I was like, could use a good walk. So I walk, check the cows. I'm walking back. There's an old tub from a washing machine sitting in the woods. And I just felt an impression on my heart that said, sit down. I want to talk. And so I I pulled it out. Make sure there wasn't no black widows on it. Come on, somebody. And I sat. And I felt like God was telling me I'm getting ready to show you something. So my, my childlike curiosity was like, is it going to be a big deer? I hope it's not a bear. I hope it's not something I can't outrun, which is pretty much anything, <laughs> except a turtle. <laughs> and I'm sitting. And so I start worshiping. So, so imagine this. I'm in the middle of a cattle pasture, sitting on an old wash tub, singing songs, telling God how awesome he is. I didn't realize it, but 20 or 30 minutes went by. I was like, wow, this is a good time, God. Thank you. I never saw nothing. But you said you was going to show me something. Like, why didn't you? Well, I guess it was just for me to sit down and be still. So I got up, rushed. I had to hurry up. It's getting dark. I walked, take about 10 steps, and I hear the Holy Spirit say, that's it? I told you I'm going to show you something. And I was at a point of conviction where I went, do I want to see what he wants to show me as bad as I want to go do whatever else I'm doing? By the way, that's a good question. I turned around and I went back to my washtub and I sat for 10 more minutes. And I wish I could tell you I was super spiritual, but I had my phone and I'm like, I love you, God. You're awesome. You're beautiful. You're mad. I love you, God. And I'm looking. Where's the deer? I really thought it was going to be a deer. Where's the deer? Like a 10-point buck, you know, like, where's the deer? Ten minutes goes by, I don't see nothing. I said, well, all right, God, I love you. It's a good time. See you later. I walk to the other end of the lease. By this time, it's really starting to get dark. It's not completely dark yet. I get in my truck, and I'm heading home like I always head home. And I go down this one street and there's this house and this guy's building the fence and he's doing all kind of cool things that I like to look at and I'm nosy and so I always every time I pass by his house I'm always checking out what he did you know I slow down and I'm coming towards his house and I can see some smoke and some light on the back side of the house oh he's burning something so I'm rolling and I get in front of his house and I'm, I'm trying to see what he's burning and I, I get to the front of his house right to the edge and the side of his house is on fire He had two big garbage cans sitting there and they're burning coming up the side of the house and the soffit and the eave is getting ready to catch on fire and nobody's home. So I pull my truck over, same time two ladies come in. I go to find a water hose. Side note, always keep a good healthy water hose. His hose was rotten. I'm like, bro, your house is burning. Your hose is rotten. So I'm trying to rig up a hose. Anyway, I get the hose rigged up. I start spraying, I put the fire out. I was like, dang, this has been really cool. By this time, all the country fire department guys, (laughs) they're all volunteers. So they come rolling in here like 50 fire trucks, 50 people. and, and, And the guy goes, I need to get inside. I'm like, I got the fire out, it's okay. No, I need to get inside. He goes into the attic, he comes back down. He says, I need a fire extinguisher now. Runs back up in the attic and puts the fire out in the attic. If I don't stop, the house burns down. If I leave 10 minutes when I wanted to leave before I decided to stay, I missed the fire. God said he was going to show me something. I was ants in the pants. I'm glad I sat back down. This was the cool part. I saved those people's house. It was right before Christmas. Christmas. All their Christmas presents was around the tree. Nobody was home. I saved their house. Everybody's running around. I slipped out the side, didn't want no recognition, got in my truck, and I left. You know what I did all the way home? I worshiped God. I worshiped God because he said he was going to show me something, and he did. It just didn't come like I expected it to come. Right? Right? So prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. Smith Wigglesworth said this, I don't ever pray more than 20 minutes, but I never go 20 minutes without praying. So if you think that you have to be locked in a room for three hours to be spiritual, you can pray on your way. You can pray as you go. Like you don't have to hang up the phone. You can just keep talking to God. Amen? second thought is this where are you praying from are you praying from love or are you praying from lust where's your prayers coming from Is it coming from a genuine desire to be in God's presence and to spend time with him and to hear his voice? Or are you praying from a lust that says, I'm coming to him because I desire something, I need something, and he's got it. Where's your prayers coming from? Is it coming from love or is it coming from lust? Because you know, we all got that friend, right? That friend that every time they call, they need something. Anybody got a friend like that? If you're not raising your hand, you might be that friend. Just joking. Just joking. Pray from love, not from lust. Let me give you three reasons to pray. Number one, when you pray, you invite God in. You invite God in. God is not the SWAT team, God does not roll up to your house, kick the door in, run inside and say, I'm fixing this, this, and this. Though sometimes we wish he would. That's not who God is. God loves invitations. He he answers invitations. God loves to be invited in. Listen to what it says in Revelations 3.20. It says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Isn't that good? I mean, come on, shake your head, something, wake up. That's good stuff. God is knocking at the door of your heart and if you'll open it, he'll come in and he's not gonna fuss at you. He's gonna come in and sit down with you and he's gonna eat a meal with you like friends. It doesn't get any more personal than that. It doesn't get any more loving than that. God doesn't have a knocking problem. We have an opening problem. Every day. Somebody home? Anybody got time for me today? Hello? He wants to come in and fix something. He wants to come in and encourage you. He wants to come in and give you what you need. But we don't open the door. Hurting ourselves. Every day, he walks up to the door of your life and knocks on the door. Prayer. Opens the door. Prayer opens the door. Prayer invites him in. You know what God loves? God loves when we go, when we hear, we open the door and say, hey, I've been waiting on you. He's like, oh, you waiting on me? Yeah, I've, I've pushed some time aside for you. This is our time. And I love it, appreciate it, and respect it so much that nothing's going to change this time. Prayer invites God in. If you're having family issues and you pray, you know what you just did? You just invited God into your family issues. If you're having emotional issues and you pray, you just invited God, the God of all creation, the one who created your emotions the only one that knows really how to fix them. You just invited him in. When you pray, whatever you're praying about, you're inviting God into that thing. And that's what we all need, amen? I don't know about you, but I need God in every area of my life. And when I pray, I invite him in. The second reason we should pray is because when we pray, We communicate with God personally. It's one thing to be in a good church service and have the presence of God and share God with all these other people. I like that. I really do. I really love Sundays. I love worship nights. I love those kinds of things. But you know what I really like? Is that God loves me, Jamie, Tyler, so much that he'll come just for me. Because you see, some of you have been beat down so much and you've believed the lies of the enemy so much that you don't believe God wants to be with you. Can I tell you today that's a lie from the pit of hell? God loves you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. When you weep, He weeps. When you hurt, He hurts. I got something for you. It's just for you. He doesn't say I got something for (laughs) y'all. I got something for you. We get to communicate with him personally. (laughs) How many of you are good at drive-by prayers? I'm going to be honest. I'm the preacher. I really shouldn't be lying. I'm really good at driving. I can throw them up in a heartbeat. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's not good. Why is it that we make time for certain things and not other things? Think about this. We'll quickly make time for things that take from us instead of making time for the God who died for us and has something for us, that desires to give us something. Remember the verse? He hears from heaven, he forgives our sin, and he restores our land. That's him giving to us. So why do we make time so quickly for things that take from us and we struggle to make time for the one who wants to give to us? Why is that? I think we have a problem. Would you agree? We have a problem. There is a struggle to pray. I thought when I got saved, I would just naturally become a prayer. A prayer. I just thought like that would just be a natural thing that would just flow out of me. And Like I would just, I'd have this incredible desire to just sit with God for hours and hours. <laughs> I was wrong. I got a flesh. It likes itself. Nothing else. So how do we get to the point where we desire prayer? You ever wonder that? Let me give you three things that I think get us to that place where we actually desire prayer. The first one is it starts out with discipline. Come on, you ought to be taking some notes. It starts out with discipline. What is discipline? Discipline is what your flesh don't like. It's it's. The military is really good at discipline. They they ingrain discipline into men and women. What is discipline? It's a continuation to do something. It's continuing to do something over and over and over and over again because you know it's good for you, not because you like it. So it's a keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. That's how prayer starts. It starts as a discipline. It's you need to set aside some time for God that is immovable. Some time that nobody else can take from you. Put it on a calendar. Tell the whole family, at this time I'm sitting down with God, leave me alone. Every day, maybe you start out with a 30-day goal. I'm gonna pray for 30 days. Well, when you make 30 days, make you another goal for 60 days. When you reach that, make one for 90 days. And then make one for 365 days. And keep ongoing. Now let me tell you what's happening when you discipline. When you discipline yourself, your flesh is starting to die. That that means this, some things are getting ready to start stinking in your life. (laughs) Because I don't know if you ever burnt some hair or burnt some flesh, it stank. Right? It stinks. When flesh dies, it stinks. So some things are going to start to stink, so you need to be aware of that. So, after or as you discipline yourself day after day after day, eventually you get into what I call devotion, which is like a habit, where it, it, it becomes more natural to you. You don't have to force yourself, you don't have to strain so hard. You're good with it. You're like, okay, this is cool. I'm gonna pray every day, I'm gonna sit down with God every day. I don't know when that happens for you, but it starts with discipline, and eventually it turns into devotion. Now, when you get to the point of devotion, the flesh is really starting to die, okay? But you're getting devoted. That means you're starting to enjoy what you're seeing. You're starting to see the results of your prayer. You're starting to understand the power of prayer. You're starting to see some things change in your life. Then comes desire. There's always a transfer Eventually, when you discipline long enough, it turns into devotion. When you devote long enough, it turns into desire. The only thing that makes it stop is when you get off course, when you quit. If you'll keep going, your discipline will eventually become a desire, which means this, that I hate to miss my time with God. I feel so empty when I'm not with God. You start to hate the disconnect. If you miss your time with God, you feel thirsty and hungry all day. By the way, God will meet with you at night too. He really likes it when you turn off your favorite show and go sit with him. Just thought I'd throw that in there. You know what happens when you get to the point of desire? Your spirit man is thriving. Man, when you get to the point of desire, you're seeing stuff happen every day. When you speak, God listens, and he starts to move. And you start to see prayers answered. You start to see things change. You start to see things turn around. You approach problems different. They don't tell you what to do. You tell your problems what to do. All of a sudden, this authority that you've been given gets stronger. Instead of making it through your day, you're making the day. You see, there's an attitude shift in there. Something needs to transfer. Your flesh needs to die, and your spirit man needs to get strong. You can get to the place of desire. We all can. Because this is what happens when we pray. When we pray, God quenches something inside of us. Come on, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? When you've been prideful too long and you've been reluctant to go to God with your issues, and you're just suffering and you're you're empty and you're desperate, and then wherever that is for you, you finally give up and you go to God. What does he do? He quenches something on the inside of you. I don't know if you're like me, but after he quenches that thing inside of me, I go, what took me so long to get here? You know what I'm saying? He quenches. He is only good. So, reasons we should pray. The first reason is it invites God in. We all need God to be in, part of every, in, in every part of our life. The second thing is we get to communicate with God personally. And then here's the third one. I'm going to wrap it up with this. When you pray, you start to understand that prayer is your weapon How many of you have made this statement before? Well, all we can do is pray. Come on, let's get real. Let's let's embarrass some stuff in our life this morning. How many of you have made that statement? Well, all we can do is pray. That aggravates my spirit. I I can feel my spirit man getting mad when I say that. Well, all we can do is pray. I wonder what God thinks when we say that. Prayer is your weapon. We pray first and then do everything else afterwards, right? We don't just come to this place and go, well, all we can do is pray now like it's the last ditch effort to get God to move. You know, prayer can go into any situation and bring change in it. Do you also realize that God has given you all the authority you need to advance his kingdom in your area of life? God has given you all the authority you need to change the environment that you walk into. What's the problem? You put your weapon down. You put your weapon down. You somewhere along the way you got frustrated, you got irritated, you got aggravated, you got disappointed. And you so, you know what? Psh, watch this verse in Matthew 18. Jesus says this. He says, truly, I tell you, whatever, say whatever. Amen. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Isn't that a good verse? Do you know what it means? <laughs> Let me tell you what it means. When you bind something, it means that you disallow it. Because when you loose something, it means you allow it to happen. So he tells us to bind and to loose. And when we bind and loose on earth, that thing is bound or loosed in heaven. To loose something is to have a pit bull on a, on a, a leash and to unclip him and to let him go. You see it? That's what it means to loose something. So, watch this. You have the authority to walk into any situation in life and either bind something or lose something. I'm about to amen myself. You have that authority to do that. You have the authority to change your environment, to change your situation. You don't have to live with it. You're called to change it. You don't have to be frustrated. You can change it. You walk into your house and the kids are nuts and your wife looks like she's strung out and there's no peace in your house. Men, don't run to the shed and drink six beers. It ain't gonna help. Walk up in your house with your weapon in your hand and bind some things and loose some things. Remember, power doesn't come in volume. It comes in in the one that supports you. So you walk up into your house with a big old Joel Oldstein smile on your face. I bind up this spirit of division and frustration in the name of Jesus, and I loose the peace of God over my house. Now, you might think that's a religious nutty kind of thing to do. You're fooled. It works. When my kids couldn't sleep, we didn't suffer. I like sleep. I was motivated by sleep. I would walk to their bedroom. I would lay my hands on them. Spirit of discomfort, leave. I bind you in the name of Jesus and I'll loose the grace and peace of God over you. I'll prophesy, you will sleep good tonight. Tell me it don't work. You'll never know if you never do it. When's the last time you bound up something? When's the last time you lose something? You go to work and everybody's crazy and everybody's stressed out and worried about getting fired. I walk up into that job. In the name of Jesus, I bind up this spirit of fear. And I'll loose a spirit of faith in this place. You'll never know if it works if you never do it. You'll never know how much authority you have until you exercise it. You don't have to live frustrated and you don't have to learn to live with it. Amen, pastor. Open your mouth, pick up your weapon and say something. Isn't it funny? (laughs) We'll put our weapon down and instead of loosing and binding, we start complaining Come on? We start murmuring. We give the silent treatment. You'll walk up in your house like, mm, pff, 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 God. Whoa. <laughs> like, why are you doing all that? That's weird. I think God looks at it and he goes like, "What are you doing?" Like, won't you use your weapon?" We'll complain. You know what complaining is? Complaining is agreeing with the enemy. Nagging. By the way, women aren't the only ones that nag. Men nag too. Come on, ladies. Give, give a brother an amen. When I throw you one up, you better say amen. I ain't gonna throw no more. <laughs> Pick your weapon up. Start loosing and binding some things. Your finances ain't acting right. Loose and bind tithe because <laughs> you can loose and bind all you want if you ain't tithing you speaking nothing you may need to loose a spirit of greediness I mean bind a spirit of greediness in you and loose a, a, a spirit of generosity over yourself oh, got, yeah. just a rabbit sorry it's gonna chase it but I'll leave it alone does that make sense you have authority whether you use it or not. You ever get tired of things being the way they've always been? You ever been dealing with something for so long that you can see when it's coming around for another cycle? And you're like, here it comes. Oh boy, here it comes. Guess we're going to fight tonight. The whole time you got a weapon, you got authority to loose or to bind. Won't you pick it up? Won't you pick it up? So don't give up, pray up. I know, it's quirky. You might remember it. Because here's the truth. You'll only understand the importance and the power of prayer when you do it. If you don't do it, you'll never understand it. What's stopping you from praying? What's stopping you from loosing and binding some things? Do you need a certificate that says you're spiritual enough? A plaque to put on the wall? A graduation certificate? What do you need? You need nothing more than to hear God's word say that you have authority to do it and you just go exercise it, amen? So here's the challenge. I want you to pray first in every situation. We pray first. What do y'all do at our Savior's Church? We pray first. Something comes up, I'm praying about that, bruh. Come on. Somebody come to you with a problem. Let's pray for it right now. That's what I love about my pastor. He'll pray for you in a heartbeat. Had a guy one time on a job site. He come to me and he said, hey, man. He was, was behind a piece of equipment. He says, hey, man. He says, um, my wife and I are having some problems. You'll pray for me? Like thinking I would go home and pray for him. I was like, you sorry, sucker. So sure, I'll pray for you right now. And I started praying. This brother started squiggling. He was like, he didn't want nobody to see. He didn't want nobody to hear. We're going to pray first, right? And then I want you to answer this question Are you prepped and ready for this year? Have you spent enough time with God to get you a word for this year? Are you ready? You know, God has a word for you this year. Come on. Last year, my word was Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, pray with thanksgiving. Tell God what you need, and then thank him for all that he's done. Then you will receive the peace that passes all understanding. God will guard your heart and your mind. Now, that verse didn't make much sense in January and February, but about mid-March, when everything started breaking loose, that verse became alive. I encouraged more people with that verse. I encouraged myself more often with that verse, I guarantee you, I said that verse at least a thousand times. It was my word for the year. God wants you to be prepped and ready. Are you prepped and ready for this year? Have you given him enough time to get ready? And then you need to ask that question every day. Am I prepped and ready for this day? So let's pray. this morning I want to exercise my authority as the pastor and pray over you today but I want you to get real honest today, nobody's looking around, it's a private moment if you're struggling with prayer to the point that you're hardly praying at all and you want that to change, raise your hand all over the room If you're struggling to pray consistently, it's kind of like a roller coaster. It's up and it's down and it's kind of, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. And you want that to change, raise your hand. Okay? Let me pray for you today. God, I come to you this morning and you've seen your people respond. You've seen their honesty. You said to humble ourselves. It's a good way to humble ourselves. is to get honest about where we are. God, help us. I invite you in to help us. That we would be a church that understands the power and importance of prayer. God, we'll pray with fire, with expectation. We'll pray believing that you're gonna do something, believing that the situation's gonna change. Help us to be a church that sees mountains move. Dead things come back to life. Broken things healed. Hurt things restored. I pray that that's us, God. Help us to see that this year. Help us with discipline. Grace us with discipline, God. And as we begin to discipline ourselves, God, your grace would come alongside and keep us going. And I pray that that discipline will turn into devotion. And then that devotion over time will turn into a desire. And that, God, will be people that pray, like, earnestly, with great power, and we see wonderful results. I pray that James verse over us, God, that we'll earnestly pray, and with great power, we'll see wonderful results. I pray that over us this year, God, that in every situation, courage would come up, and we would speak to that thing, and we would bind what needs to be bound, and we would loose what needs to be loosed. Help us, God. The struggle stops today. We pick our weapons up today. And we see your hand move in front of us, and on side of us, and behind us. God, I pray that we fall in love with you. Ears to hear and a heart to seek. Help us, God. Help us. If you're here today and you're never given your life to Jesus and you want to make that decision today, the Bible says you can do that today. Today is the perfect day for you to do that. If you've never Confess your sin and ask Jesus to come into your life and be the Lord of your life and you want to do that today. The Bible says you can be born again today. If that's you, just quickly raise your hand. I want to help you with that today. Praise God. Now, Father, we thank you for this message. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?